Ahoy everyone, welcome to Voyagers Under Sail, the audio journal. This is recording number 17. Today is Wednesday, September 5th, 2018, and it's uh, kind of half past eight in the evening. We are on in the Atlantic. Um, so for those of you who didn't follow our audio journal from the beginning, we are a family of four traveling around the world on a sailboat. We started our uh, voyage uh, from south of France in the beginning of August, just a month ago. And right now we are on the Atlantic coast of uh, Africa, heading towards Rabat, the capital of Morocco. But before that, I should talk about Gibraltar because when I did the last recording eight year, eight day, eight days ago, not eight years, <laughs> uh, I think I was leaving um, Cartagena and um, heading towards Gibraltar. I don't remember if I spoke about Nerja at the time, uh, but what happened? So after Cartagena, we went to Nerja. Uh, we managed to anchor off uh, a few miles of Neha and uh, spent a day in, a, in an anchorage there and the next day we moved to an anchorage just in front of Neha and that allowed us to see uh, to visit uh, the town and we are very very pleased with the with the town I mean, it was a beautiful town old city narrow streets a beautiful um, promenade uh, above the sea, a, a beautiful place. But uh, after Nerha, we start our leg towards to, to Gibraltar. And we left Nerha early in the morning, around 8 o'clock, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, because uh, the previous night was really rolly. The anchorage became really rolly very uncomfortable the boat was rolling left and right port to starboard all night long i couldn't wait for the morning to come to to leave that anchorage so as soon as the day broke um, we put the dinghy up on deck we prepared the boat and we we left so in a way we kind of left neha let's say seven o'clock or eight o'clock when we were supposed to actually leave it around 12 o'clock according to my um, calculations uh, and that made us arrive to Gibraltar about five or six hours earlier than um, than planned basically we approached uh, Gibraltar in the middle of the night and my plan was to get into port during the day of course like eight nine o'clock when the office of the marina opens and so we can uh, get in and uh, get our berth. So we had to spend the night behind the rock, kind of you know, sailing at 1.52 knots, zigzagging um, in the bay behind the rock of Gibraltar on the east side of the rock. So we did that the whole night. It was impressive to see all the big ships uh, passing by or at anchor uh, the rock was glowing with the lights of the city uh, it was a, a nice a nice view 
the night was coldish. I wouldn't say cold, but you know, it was a little bit a bit colder than than usual. But the big surprise was on the evening when we were approaching Gibraltar. The number of dolphins that uh, came beside the boat was incredible. We never had so many dolphins or so many visits from dolphins uh, in uh, in one day. We're talking tens of dolphins and nice big dolphins, healthy looking ones. Uh, because we were moving very slow, like uh, 3-4 knots, they were gliding slowly through the water. Uh, the water was uh, pretty flat, so you can actually see them um, playing in front of the boat uh, and diving uh, from one side to the other. It was a beautiful sight. The dolphins coming up up and poofing for, for air. It, it was a magical experience. Uh, the children enjoyed it uh, immensely, Tia and uh, David. Now, when the morning came, we um, made our way around the rock, uh, and the wind picked up. It was a little quite quite blowy when uh, we uh, closed onto the marina. And when we arrived to the marina, they told us to um, stay on standby on channel 72 because they were uh, busy with something in the marina. They couldn't uh, let us in yet. And that was around, I don't know, half nine, maybe ten o'clock in the morning, I say around half nine. So that uh, made me decide to uh, fuel up. So we went to the diesel dock and uh, put in uh, 240 liters of diesel. The Covadis can hold about 300 liters of diesel. So we put in 240 liters of diesel for 55p a liter that's like 60 65 cent a liter half the price of anywhere else in Europe and apparently the cheapest in the world I would argue with that but definitely the cheapest in Europe um, so that was a good buy then finally uh, they they called us in for our uh, uh, place in the marina and instead of allocating us a place in the 12 meter long length uh, boats, they allocated us a place in the 10 meter length boats. The only problem with that is um, you don't have too much room between two boats. We barely, barely squeezed. We actually had to push our way in uh, port and starboards to, to be able to uh, reverse into our uh, sleep. The staff was kind, they uh, connected us to water and electricity, uh, the marina fees were ridiculously cheap, uh, 16 pounds a day, 1650, um, so I can't complain from this point of view. And then it was, uh, there, there were two things that uh, we wanted to do in, G in Gibraltar, first of course was to uh, visit the, the city and get a sense of the place, and secondly was to receive my autopilot computer from uh, UK and install it. Installing the computer took, took me almost uh, two days of work, but definitely a full day and a little bit of, uh, of the other day. But uh, I was really happy to have it installed. I had to pull away a lot of cables um, from the old system that were, do that were doing nothing. It took me a while to uh, put in place the rudder sensor and um, the, the compass but I did my best to uh, do a good job so I wouldn't have no surprises in the future I did all the wiring by myself just looking at the schemes and trying to figure out everything else uh, 
and I have to say that indeed the autopilot works and it works beautifully and uh, with the autopilot on board our life is already uh, way better, more relaxed, uh, Not, we don't have a person that needs to be at the helm all the time, we can move around the boat, do different things, talk, read, uh, cook and um, we just check on the autopilot now and again and that's beautiful. Now Gibraltar town. I was expecting more from the town. Uh, probably this is the first time I'm disappointed in a, in a place I visited in the last months. Um, it was extremely... I wouldn't, it wasn't crowded with people, but it was crowded with buildings, which you kind of expect when you try to cram 30,000 people uh, on a tip of a rock. But also, the city took the shape of the old streets, so... Just to make a point, uh, in the first day when we tried to go to the, to the supermarket, it took us half an hour because we just took the wrong turns left and right. We followed the the, the boulevard, the, the main street. A day later, once we figured out the layout of the city, it took us less than five minutes to uh, to get to to that to the same supermarket from from the marina. Uh, so. It's the city is misleading. You can um, spend half an hour to to get to a spot, and if you know the shortcuts, it takes you five or seven minutes. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is, that despite uh, all of that, I don't know cigarette butts uh, on the on the ground. Um, I don't know. There was something about some of the people I met around. Uh, I got the feeling that. Not everybody was making a honest living in that city, let me put it that way. <laughs> but this could be a very wrong impression, a very personal and, I don't know, impression of the place. But that was my feeling. Prices were good, nothing to, to complain about. Um, but just, just, you know, even in the marina, the people weren't communicating too much to, to each other. I managed to have a conversation of about 10 minutes with a, a fellow um, cruiser. But apart from that, there were people we kind of greeted each day, uh, but they never, they will never stop for a, for a chat. It will be very, you know, very superficial in, in any human um, interaction. We went up the rock to, to see the monkeys and that was an absolutely lovely experience. Um, everybody got scared. David spent a day uh, searching on YouTube and informing himself about uh, what to expect when he's going to see the macaque monkeys on the Gibraltar rock. And um, they were lovely, they were lovely friendly. Um, we got really nice pictures uh, of, of them. Uh, we went up the rock by foot, we went down by foot, we didn't take an escalator or any taxi or any car. So it was a very difficult, grueling, almost two hours going up the rock. We went the long way through the north side of the rock and then walk along and come down the Prince Charles way or Prince, I, I can't remember, you know, we came down the steps that probably most of the tourists um, used to access uh, the top of the rock. Nice experience, nice place, beautiful view of the bay and of the city. Once you're up there, probably if if I was to start my, my stay in Gibraltar, um, 
with the first day going up the rock, my, my feeling of the city would have changed because once you're up there and you see the city below you, it's quite magnificent. Uh, you, you, you love the city. But probably because we start with two days down below and going through the streets and uh, human interactions and all of that, probably that kind of uh, put a, you know, a, a negative twist to my uh, my experience. Also, I, we arrived on a Friday. Uh, the there was a, quite a, quite a lot of construction going on. You know, r tall buildings, so a lot of uh, noise coming from the construction site. That you know, after all the peace that we had for a month, to come to you know the sound of a pick hammer and all of that kind of put me off. I don't know, but it's definitely a place that I wouldn't come in a hurry to leave. Um, I don't consider Gibraltar a place that uh, you would want to settle. That's my opinion. So we spent four nights in Gibraltar um, and then to stick to our plan we it was the time to leave for our crossing to Rabat. Uh, we are right now in the middle of this uh, crossing, not in the middle, towards the end of this crossing. Now, everybody will advise you, the pilot books and, uh, you know, everybody that you ask will advise you to leave Gibraltar if you're going westwards, like getting out into the Atlantic, to leave with the easterly wind at high, two hours after high tide Gibraltar. Okay. There was no easterly wind. There was only westerly coming from the Atlantic, but at only 8 to 12 knots. So, not a big, not a big, uh, not a big... Uh, wind here not, not nothing strong so we decided to leave two hours after high water gibraltar that was around half past uh, quarter past 11 um, on tuesday in order to um, go through the straits of gibraltar through you know all, all days through tuesday in such a way that uh, on tuesday evening we'll be off the african coast and heading into the Atlantic. Now, the tide in the strait can be strong. They say, you know, if you really time it bad, you can have seven knots of tide against you. I can tell you that with good timing, at some point we had, we had 3.6 knots of tide against us. And uh, the mistake that I made was to go a little bit too far out of the coast instead of staying close to the coast. I, I was thinking that I'm close to the coast. I was in uh, 100 meters of uh, water. I was half a mile of the coast. But that even proved to be too too far. Because um, when I was struggling to to get through this uh, tide, that, that was on our, uh, you know, when we were about five miles off Tarifa, okay? After that point, everything was fine. But uh, at that point... The tide starts to be like 1 knot, 1.5, 2, 2.2, 2.7, 3.2, 3.6 knots of tide against us. Like we're, we're barely moving. We are making uh, like 1.5 uh, miles an hour above ground, speed over ground, which was ridiculous. Uh, at, the, at that point I saw a sailboat and a catamaran very close to the shore and they were actually moving ahead. And I said, okay, I'm doing something wrong. I went uh, towards the the Spain coast, only let's say towards 300 meters of the coast, 300 meters, and from 3.6 uh, uh, knots of tide, it all it dropped to 
1.5 knots of tide. So that helped us uh, get around uh, Tarifa into the other side of uh, the Gibraltar Straits, into the Atlantic side. And by 5, 6 o'clock, we managed to be on the African coast, cross the traffic. The traffic was very little. We basically didn't have to avoid any traffic. We just kind of looked around us. Uh, two ships were kind of uh, behind, well behind us. We started doing the crossing and 20 minutes later, we were clear of them and there was nothing coming from the other side. Now, the second piece of advice that you get when people, uh, when uh, you read about uh, making your cross your uh, leg along the Moroccan coast is to keep as far out of the coast as possible in order to avoid the fishermen and the fishing nets, uh, the Moroccan fishermen. We did see fishermen heading out in, you know, like seven o'clock, they were kind of heading out into into the Atlantic. Okay, you know, people doing, you know, going around their business. But we didn't see, they weren't fishing, they were just you know, heading out, a couple of boats heading out to into the Atlantic. And uh, we had a couple of uh, cargo ships around us, but nothing major. And then, at around three or four o'clock at night, we find we found ourselves we were about 22 miles off the coast of Morocco, heading um, south, and we found ourselves in the middle of the fishing fleet. I can almost say there were green lights, red lights, all around us. At some point, uh, uh, you know, one of the fishing boats start flashing a big white light at us just to let us know that he's there, probably he saw that we didn't see him. And uh, for a minute I thought, okay, he's just trying to tell me that, uh, you know, he's dragging the net. So I said, okay, I'm gonna move to um, port and uh, go, you know, go along him. But at that point he started flashing his light even crazier than before. Then I started the other way, he started flashing his light again. I didn't know what he meant by flashing light. So at that point I took a light myself and I flashed it back to him, just to let him know, okay, I've seen your signal, I know where you are, let me just pass you. And after about half an hour going up and down along his uh, side, we, we passed him, uh, just to find ourselves among more fishing boats. You couldn't see them, you just see their light, you know, you couldn't make a shape or anything like that, you just see their light in like half a mile or maybe a mile uh, away from from us. So the night was pretty calm and peaceful in the beginning, but uh, from about four o'clock in the morning until six o'clock, it was all about um, finding our way through through them. And then when the light came, no fishing boat around us. <laughs> and through the day, all day today, this is Wednesday, yeah. Um, all day today maybe one or two big trawlers but no small fishing boats around us that's 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 a given and we are about 25 20-25 miles off the coast of Morocco now we had to leave Gibraltar at two hours after high water in order to get the best uh, possible tide uh, in our favor so to fight as little tide as possible while uh, going through the straits but that didn't doesn't time well with arriving in Rabat. In Rabat, we also need to have to arrive at high water 
in order to uh, be able to go up the channel because Rabat port, uh, Rabat marina, it's uh, up a river into the new, into Saleh town. And uh, at low tide, the river in places can be just uh, 0 0.8 or even 1 point or 1.2 meters deep, not enough for our uh, draft. So we need to arrive at high water and high water at Rabat will be, tomorrow will be around 12 o'clock. Okay, we need to arrive during the day because we need a pilot boat to guide us through the channel and we need to be a high water. So right now, like for the past uh, six, seven hours of today, we are trying to reduce the speed and uh, only advance at 2.5 or 3 knots. We basically zigzagging our way to Gibraltar, despite the fact that we, we could sail straight away. But if we were to sail at full speed all the way down the African coast to Rabat, we will arrive maybe after six o'clock in the evening. So first of all, will be low water, and then at the same time, the marina uh, will be closed. The, the pilot boat wouldn't be available to uh, take us in. They specifically say to arrive during daytime and, uh, you know, business hours. So that brings us up to date. What's good about all this autopiloting is that the children now start studying. The David and Dora start doing their uh, boat schooling, reading, maths, English, a bit of science. And uh, that's, uh, I'm very happy about that about that and uh, we get to spend a bit more time together because we can chat to each other there is not that frustration of uh, being at the helm for hours and being tired um, it's a it's a different uh, atmosphere on the boat uh, Theodora wrote an essay today for her English uh, about her passion and she said her passion is travel and uh, when I heard her reading the the essay I almost <laughs> burst into tears because she says so many beautiful things about um, how uh, this uh, adventure already is affecting her and uh, I was impressed to to hear that coming from her when a few months back she was just kind of hating the idea of coming on the trip and David is a little bit spoiled uh, he does his work but uh, he wants somebody to be with him all the time when he's doing his work he doesn't want to do that work by without supervision so to speak the noise that you hear right now it's the wave uh, crashing against uh, the hull uh, here in the Atlantic we have about one meter swell so now and again the boat will slap against uh, the swell and you get this uh, noise but the boat is moving very comfortable we had to motor basically for the first uh, 24 hours uh, while we were getting out of the strait we had to motor there was no way to sail the, the wind was in our nose and we decided to motor until we got well off the African coast um, just to try to keep off the fishing vessels but we just ended up in the middle of them and also there is a like one knot tied along the coast uh, that kind of comes in and out of the coast and uh, at the same time, I wanted to you know, just get away from the African coast and keep a safe distance while sailing down to Rabat. But today, before lunchtime, we put up the sails uh, and we're just trying to slow us. We, we have as little sail up 
as needed just to keep the boat speed around at around three knots. So hopefully we will arrive tomorrow in Rabat and um, the real adventure on the African continent will start. Uh, I expect delicious food in Morocco and really beautiful experiences. It's going to be two weeks of traveling inland. Once we get to Rabat, we put the boat into the marina. Uh, we have a rental car uh, ready and we'll spend two, two weeks traveling from town to town, down to the desert, spend a few nights in the desert, go out into the mountains, spend a few nights up into the, into the mountains and uh, to really try to enjoy Morocco at its best. Um, probably once we start our Moroccan uh, land trip, I will come up with uh, this audio journal more often because it's going to be a lot happening and I, will, I just want to be able to uh, record my uh, experiences. Thank you for your patience and thank you for listening. I hope you're getting something out of this. If there is something that can be learned so far from that I can say is that uh, despite all the hard work that I had to put in while in uh, France, uh, despite all the plans that I made uh, and my fears, everything so far turns out to be okay. No big drama, no big dangers. I'm pretty sure at some point we'll face our fears, but so far everything was pretty good. Uh, no major drama and a lot of uh, a lot of good time. All the best.